This is the Muso Mental Health Podcast. I'm so excited to be talking to Josie Duncan today. Josie is a singer-songwriter that writes for a whole host of different projects, including her own releases. She's currently doing some songwriting commissions for Love Music and has worked with the National Theatre of Scotland as well. She also teaches uh, during the summer, uh, a whole host of the faces as well as Tinto Summer School. So it's lovely to have her here today. How are you doing, Josie? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, I'd love for you to tell the listeners just a bit more about yourself and how you came to music as a career. I can't remember when I first decided that music was really important to me because it just feels like a forever thing. Um, both my parents are really musical. They both play brass and I've got lots of family members that play brass. Um, and my mum conducts a Gaelic choir. Cool. So I've been totally surrounded by it, like always. And do you sing in Gaelic language as well as in English? Yeah, I sing in Gaelic with Inyal, um and a few other things and I have done from a really young age. Oh, that's really cool. Like I'm so in awe of anybody that's bilingual. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love, I love it. Fantastic. So you come from quite a musical background. When was it that you decided, no, this is, this is for me. Did you go and study anywhere? What, what kind of took you down the path career wise? I studied at the conservatoire in Glasgow, um, but it was after like a year out and I kind of I kind of didn't want to study. I really like hated school and doing exams. So the thought of like going into more education just sounded like awful. And I was like, why on earth would I do that? Um, so I took a year out and I was just doing like random little jobs. I was staying quite often with my cousins in Edinburgh and I was doing gigs. I would do gigs for like 30 quid and I'd be like, yes, I'm professional. I'm getting 30 pounds. Um, and I was like, I worked for Pure Gym at, for a while. And I did Kaylee Trails, um, which was a lot more fun than working with Pure Gym. Um, <laughs> anyone who doesn't know Kaylee Trails, it's like a summer tour for young people where you get paid and you kind of learn what it's like to be on tour. Um, and that was really cool. And then eventually um, my brother was like, I'm just going to put an application for you to the RCS. Uh, just tell me, answer these questions and we'll just see. And it was honestly the night before the deadline. Um, and I did end up auditioning in September so I hadn't I wasn't long out of school it was like just a couple of months after that summer and then I knew I had an unconditional so the year was a bit floaty really and then went to RCS but it was actually great it wasn't it was nothing like going to school. Well what was your experience of being at the RCS because it sounds like it was quite a contrast for you having not enjoyed school so much. Yeah it was great I mean it was just it was really good to meet those people who are totally obsessive with music because in school that kind of made me weird and being totally around those people who feel the same way was was so nice and we were just like nerding out um even in halls we were still like just like oh have you heard this album and everyone was just um everyone was in the same boat and that was lovely there is a real community around music college as well I used to feel that when I was at junior conservatoire mm -hmm. I'd kind of you know during the week at school like you would feel quite like the odd one out and then would go to a uh, junior conservatoire and think, no, this is where I'm meant to be. These are my people. We all like the same thing. We're all here for the same reason, you know? Yeah. And it becomes such an important social outlet as well as um, just a source of enjoyment for you. Totally, totally. So within your career so far, what would you say were the kind of highest and lowest points that you've had to date? It's interesting. I think 
um, same as a lot of people throughout COVID would definitely be a low. I think a lot of us kind of had to face what it's like when the gigs aren't there um, and how you feel about music when you're not performing for other people. And that was a really interesting one for me. Um, and there's highs to come in different ways. Like in some ways, I think um, the, the times that I most love are almost after a gig rather than on the gig, which is kind of strange. But when when you're at a festival and you have like a big mix of people who might ne not necessarily all come together that often, but you find yourself in the same place and then um, the gig is done and, and you're just having songs for the enjoyment of it that to me is like always the highest point that's like when I'm most happy um and for that reason I used to run a song session in Glasgow because I just wanted to create that singing for fun oh, um, lovely whereabouts was that tell me a bit more about that it was it changed when I was a student it was in this cafe that's not there anymore called the blue chair um and then it got a bit bigger so we went to Duke's bar um, but I'm hoping to put it back on in Glasgow soon. But I need a new venue, so if any anyone has any recommendations, um, but yeah, that was that's probably my favorite thing is like just singing for fun. Um, I'm intrigued by that. Do you not feel when you're performing that it's as fun? I'm intrigued by by that kind of analogy there. That it's the fun that you have afterwards that you enjoy more. Yeah, I definitely really, really enjoy performing a lot. Like in a lot of ways, I think I'm one of those people that's almost more comfortable like on stage than in most conversations in life. I don't know. It's like, it's a weird thing. Like people are always like asking me, oh, do you get really nervous for gigs? And I'm like, I, I don't like want to sound conceited in any way, but I, I actually don't really get that nervous for gigs. Like I find other things a lot more nerve wracking. Like I'd be more nervous for like, making a phone call sometimes than I would be for going on stage. That's um, fascinating because the number of people that I've spoken to so far about performance anxiety kind of almost feel the opposite to that in some respects, yeah. or perhaps one kind of marries into the other, but you would say that on stage is actually your comfortable place. In a weird way, it is my comfortable place because I like, I know what I'm there to do. And most of the time I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. So it's nice to just like have that little window of time where I'm just like, Oh, cool I get to sing songs and like be here so you feel more focused in that respect yeah that's actually that's probably a big part of it um yeah I totally am able to focus when I'm performing because you've got like the accountability of people watching and also like I every single time I was singing as a head count I was like I just don't understand the fact that people are here like I feel I'm chuffed I'm like, how, how, how has this happened? Why are they listening to me? It's so funny. Like, I find it quite humorous almost. <laughs> I love that. Do you know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about kind of various different mentalities and some of the things that you wanted to discuss. And one of the things that you were quite keen to discuss was um, the fact that you're someone with ADHD and you wanted to talk a bit more about neurodiversity. Is that something that you think feeds into the whole performance side of things for you, feeling more comfortable on stage? I think it, I think it definitely is. And like one thing about ADHD is that it's caused by a lack of dopamine. So you're scrambling for dopamine. So that's why people can appear bored or disinterested is because um, they're just looking for something that will give them the normal quote unquote that's not a good word to use but the the level of dopamine that the human brain wants to have 
they're looking for um, a way to have that and they don't get that from things that people without ADHD, like neurotypical people would get that from. So um, yeah, so a lot of ADHDers are really good under pressure, even if they might be really bad when they're not under pressure. Um, yeah, it's a strange one, but it's definitely one that interests me a great deal. Sure. So when did you find out that you had ADHD? Uh, quite late on, but compared to some quite early on. So I got tested for number dyslexia when I was 19, dyscalculia. And the woman was like, have you ever considered getting tested for ADHD? You should do that. And I said, I haven't, but I definitely will do that. And then I didn't do it until COVID. Because I asked about it and they were like, it's a, a waiting list of a year. Crikey. But yeah but when when I was like not touring and staying in hotels my ADHD was a lot less manageable for me so I ended up just thinking I just need to I just need to know if this is the deal because on one hand I know and on the other hand I don't and it's really hard to ask for help when you don't have a word for something um it's really hard to be like hey this is hard and I don't like it can you help me out rather than being like hey I've got ADHD and this is incredibly difficult um, because of that can you help me out so have you found the label has actually given you much more control over the situation or support yeah it's definitely made me feel more comfortable um expressing the things I struggle with uh, I think I in general I think there needs to be a lot more support for people with these diagnoses but um I do think it gives you the validation that helps you ask for the support you need because again you, if you just if you're just saying like oh this is a difficult thing I don't like it can you do it you know it's going to respond well to that but if you're saying I have a neurodevelopmental condition that makes this difficult people respond a lot kinder to that yeah there was there was some training that I'd done at big noise at one point um where I where I teach um and I believe but you'll need to correct me if I'm wrong here the ADHD is more severe in females than males is that correct um well if the ADHD in a female was more severe it would appear the same as a boy's who was less severe I see okay women are socially conditioned to mask it from a very young age right that's why a lot of uh, women are typically diagnosed later in life because we are better at masking because there's more social expectations on us to mask and to like grow up quicker. Um, so most women with ADHD are diagnosed later in life. And also the studies into ADHD have been mostly done on like eight-year-old boys. So ADHD in a woman is going to look different than a young boy. Very, very true. I hadn't thought of it like that. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think there's a stereotype. People think of it as like a little boy who can't sit still. And they'll say, like, people have said to me, like, you're nothing like my little nephew, six. You'd, I don't think you have ADHD. And I, I'm like, I would really hope I'm nothing like your little nephew, six, because I'm a woman <laughs> in my late 20s. So I don't, I don't want to be anything like a six-year-old boy. No, it's, it's similar to that perception of dyslexia, you know, where dyslexia is just people who can't spell or, mm. you know, have handwriting that isn't as legible, when actually there's this huge spectrum of dyslexia and it affects people in so many different ways so it's it's not fair to kind of pigeonhole people or stereotype absolutely absolutely and and if you've met one person with ADHD you've only met one person with ADHD that's not 
anything to base every single person off of. No, we're all we're all different human beings, and that's the whole point. So with ADHD, you feel like being on stage actually gives you that focus and that purpose. Is that the right word? Yeah, and there's a thing in ADHD, uh, um, an accommodation, a tool that people use called ghosting uh, or shadow work. And it's when, say you have, say you need to tidy your room, but you just can't make yourself do it. You just bring someone in the room with you and they just sit there and then suddenly you're able to do it. So being on stage in front of all these people is almost like that, like on fire. Wow, that's such a cool analogy. <laughs> never thought of anything like that so music really has been quite a powerful vehicle for you to kind of feeling much more in control I guess yeah you know I never even thought of it like that but 100% that's true that's so cool so I'm fascinated as a singer-songwriter how you managed to get that focus to be able to write is that something that comes just very organically because you've got that focus there or is it something that you find that you get distracted from quite a lot tell me a bit more I I think my ADHD helps me write songs because there's something uh, common to people with ADHD called hyper focus and it's when you get so zoned in on one thing that everything else completely disappears um and I experience this when I'm writing songs or when I'm like doing music on the computer or anything like that um and this is I I absolutely love it like it feels amazing like um everything else just totally disappears but the issue with this is I'll have to like set alarms on my phone being like, remember to have lunch, remember to drink water. Cause like I will, I literally could, I could sit there for 12 hours and Gosh. not move. And then like only maybe like a good few hours into it, I'd be like, oh my goodness, I have a dead leg. I'm very dehydrated. Like this is not good. Um, so I have to set alarms on my phone for these things, but it is amazing to be able to like tune everything out. I can't choose like what I'm able to hyper-focus on though. I'm just lucky that songwriting is one of those things. Absolutely. And if that's where your passion lies as well, what a brilliant thing to be part of. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. That's so brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing a lot of that because like you say, I think there are so many people out there who've maybe either just accepted that that's who they are as a personality and actually there could be something more to it like you say um a lack of diagnosis there or mm. there could be women out there who like you say have felt the need to mask a lot of stuff and haven't actually looked for for diagnoses so i hope that anybody listening to that that has had like a resonance with it thinks oh gosh maybe maybe that's me yeah and i'm i'm so passionate about um about talking about masking and unmasking and like how important that is for people's well-being. Yeah, I was listening to one of your your songs uh, again today. I'm absolutely obsessed with your song "Be Around." Oh, absolutely beautiful. You. I find the lyrics in that so so honest and inspirational. Um, is that a, a song that you based kind of on your own feelings towards yourself? Like, where did that come from? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I was pretty nervous to release it because I was like, I feel like I'm exposing myself so much here. But um, I do think it is, uh, yeah, it's kind of a song about like not being at peace with yourself and like you can't if you can't be comfortable sitting alone, then you've definitely got some work to do. And I was in that place. I was like, I've, I've got some work to do here. So I 
How how do you feel about the criticism with releasing something so personal? Because we've we've touched on other episodes about the fact that music is really just an outpouring of your soul in so many different ways. And some people are taught to kind of 
become doppelgangers of their teachers and they lose that personality some ensembles don't give you the space to have that creative freedom and yet as a singer songwriter you've literally given a piece of yourself and your own personality over to the listener so if criticism comes back how do you cope with that as a singer songwriter it's a funny one um i've i've had criticism already um from people who wanted it to be more similar to other projects I've done in the past um, because it's very different and it's a lot more well it's original songs whereas in the past I've been involved in more traditional material um, and it's funny because the one song on I did a duo album with Pablo who's uh, my friend who plays guitar um, we did a duo album when we were really small and um, we had we just needed one more song and we ended up putting one of my songs on it and I was like really nervous about doing that but then that song people were it did really well and people were really nice about it like well for us and yeah people were really lovely about it and that kind of gave me more confidence to do my own songwriting and um, the fact that people actually responded to that because I was kind of like I had read I when I was like 16 17 I was performing like all original material and I don't really know what happened but at some point I like just kind of lost the confidence and I was studying songs maybe had less time to write um, when I was at uni at music college ironically with less time to write songs um so I, I was that's what I was doing and that's the first time a lot of people heard me singing was that album um Amazing. but I don't know like I don't know if people yeah some people want me to kind of still make the same type of music but um but what do you want to do that's the thing I'm I'm so happy with this album like I had the best time doing it and um, it looked incredible from any of the snippets that I saw from some of the string players that are featured on your album on their social media or from your own just absolutely stunning stuff I love it oh it was the, the day we had the strings and was so fab and Andrea said he was like I've never heard this much laughter like in a studio <laughs> like, oh it, that's lovely it was so nice and it did it did feel like that I just felt like everyone was I don't, I don't know what it was it was like there's something in the air that day but um I don't know the 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 joy comes across actually in that track be around it's you can actually hear it in the way that everybody's playing and singing it's absolutely cool. stunning so that laughter definitely translates that's really cool because it is like a heavy topic but then it is kind of like also a bit hopeful so it's like a funny mix and um I got to work with a producer it's my first time ever having a producer and like he was amazing and super easy to talk to so that was really good it's always lovely when you've got that bond with somebody isn't it that you can work with creatively but that supports your vision whilst I don't know enhancing it in their own way with their own thoughts yeah that you can hear a lot of him in the music but I don't feel like it, you can hear any less of me because of it which is really cool yeah no that's that's absolutely incredible so how would you say as somebody um within the music industry but also somebody that has ADHD how do you cope with the changing nature of the job because I know we touched on Covid and mm -hmm. the pandemic really kind of knocking the wind out of every musician's sales um, Everyone, yeah. but if we were thinking outside of Covid how have you coped over the years with the changing nature of the job like you know the highs and the lows it's a funny one but um people with ADHD are typically people who change career paths a lot like I was speaking to someone recently who was a journalist and is now a minister and that's very typical just completely changing the entire course of your life wow. um, and this is why like people often have ADHD and autism together and they mask each other because with your ADHD and I'm kind of a textbook ADHD -er, 
um, you are always looking for things that are new and novel. And it's quite typical, I'm very guilty of this, of like finding a new hobby and being like really into it. And then you just, you're completely over it. You, you might have spent loads of money on it. Like I have the amount of like arts and crafts projects I have unfinished is unbelievable. So the changing nature suits me because like one week I might be like teaching on a course. One week I might be like um, writing for another person. Another week I might be in rehearsals and in a studio. So that side of it suits me. But the organization and like the life admin that comes along with being self-employed is like really challenging for for my ADHD and my number dyslexia sure I can only imagine to be honest because I find I find the the organization of everything and the juggling that goes with it quite overwhelming so to have an additional need within that it must be really frustrating at times yeah it's um it's the hardest part like when people ask me like what what's do you find it hard going on stage? I'm like, no, that's the easy part. That's like, that's the easy part is the other stuff. Yeah, it would be interesting to see whether other listeners actually resonate with that as well. So thank you so much for chatting to me. It's been so lovely to just hear a bit more about you. And to, I cannot wait for your album release. When's it out? Thank you so much. It's out on the 26th of August. So very soon. Very soon. Yeah, less than two weeks. And where can people order your album or listen to it? Yeah, um, Bandcamp, Josie Duncan or josieduncanmusic.com or any of the social medias, you can fire me a message. Lush, absolutely amazing. Well, the way that I've been finishing each episode is just to ask each musician, if you were giving advice to your younger self or to someone starting out in the industry or thinking about um, going off and studying music, now with the experiences that you have working in the industry what would you say to them i would say to make the music that you feel like is yours not that you feel like other people are doing don't look to people around you too much for what's cool it really doesn't matter what's cool at all um the thing that matters is that you feel at home in what you're making and what you're doing um another big thing i would say to young people is the people that you are making bands with, the people that you're making music with are the people that you're going to be spending all your time with. And the number one important thing over how good a musician people are is um, how kind they are. And I just think it's really important to surround yourself with kind people from the get-go. If you ever have a gut feeling, a bad feeling about someone, you should probably trust it and um, surround yourself with people that make you feel good. I love that. That's so true. Thank you so much for your time, Josie. It's been lovely chatting to you.